Welcome to Navigating Widowhood, when happily ever after turns into now what? I'm your host, Julie Martella. Whether you're just starting on this journey or you've been here for a while, I'm here to provide you with support, guidance, and a little dose of humor. So, are you ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome, friends, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is on acceptance. So, before we begin, I just want to tell you thank you for supporting me in this endeavor. Your feedback has been overwhelmingly generous and kind, and I appreciate that, especially considering that I'm figuring this out as we go. So it'll get, it'll get a little bit more polished as we go along, but I'm glad that we're doing it, and I'm glad that we're doing it together. So today's episode is about acceptance, and I want to start with a question. And my question is this. What thoughts do you have about acceptance in your life and your grief journey? Have you ever considered what acceptance does or can or cannot do for you? That's what we want to talk about today. Acceptance is a hard topic for most widowed people um, because acceptance demands that we let go, that we let go of the story that surrounds the facts. And that's really hard for us to do. Acceptance generally refers to the act of um, acknowledging that a situation happened without any denial or any judgment. So what it means, it means it says, I'm going to acknowledge that this happened. This is the reality. For example, I'm going to acknowledge that my husband died. And then the story that goes along with that, because as soon as I say those words, there's this huge story about all the things that went wrong and all the things that shouldn't have happened. That is the story. So you have the facts and you have the story about the facts. And acceptance asks us to say, stick with the facts, ma'am, just the facts. So you could see why. Acceptance might be a hard, a hard thing for us to deal with. Now, it means embracing things as they are rather than what we wish them to be. And it means that we have to come to terms with the reality of our life as it is right now. And that's tough because we may not like the reality of our life. And sometimes it's just easier to deny the reality because the opposite of acceptance is actually would be denial. And But denial doesn't serve us. Acceptance does because when you can release that and when you can ex- accept and acknowledge that what happened is a fact that happened and it's the reality that you're living into, then you become empowered to think about your future. It allows you to begin moving forward 
towards the next chapter in your life instead of ruminating on the past. It brings closure and it relieves suffering and it heals pain. Remember, pain is inevitable. Like our pain of our loss, it's inevitable. It's clean. It needs to happen. The suffering is optional. Do you hear that? Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And I want to encourage you today to release the suffering so you can get to the healing that comes from processing the pain through acceptance. Now, I want to tell you that acceptance does not mean, this is where we get hung up because we think, well, if I accept it, then it means that I'm saying that it was okay. Nope. No, not at all. Acceptance does not mean that you liked it, you agree with it, or you condone it. It only means that you accept what happened. And when you can accept what happened, then you quit fighting, right? You, you're, like, you're like two kangaroos smacking at each other. You are one kangaroo. What happened to you is the other kangaroo, and you're in a constant fight, and you're just pounding on each other. Acceptance says, stop. Just put it down and let it go. That's the story. The put it down, the let it go, the what happened, the details, that's the story. So let's take the example of falling down. And I heard this from a podcaster somewhere, and I wish I could remember where, but I can't. But she she actually used an example of falling down on something. So we're going to use the example of falling down and apply it to acceptance in our life. And I want you to go back to grade school, and I want you to visualize this with me. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, but if you're not driving, visualize this with me. I want you to go back to grade school, like somewhere between kindergarten and the third grade, back when back when you used to get to run around and play tag and Red Rover, Red Rover, and, and swing. Maybe you had monkey bars, or you had a, um, the, what's the spinny thing called? that you'd spin around till you fling you off and you'd want to puke. Like, you know, that's merry-go-round. That's the word. That's brain damage, by the way. <laughs> so go back to where, go back to your childhood playground where you were happy and you're having fun. I, uh, in the third grade, I, my playground would have been at Catholic school. And that is where I actually met my husband as a child. And at the time, he was a, uh, I'm smiling as I tell you this, he was a very freckle-faced, bright ginger. He was a little bit husky, and he had really, really thick glasses because the poor guy was probably legally blind. And we were in the same class in, in Catholic school, and we would go out to recess and we would play. And one of my favorite things to do was to go on the swing sets. So usually, okay, usually during recess, I was writing lines probably three days out of the week because I was always in trouble with with the nuns for something. But on the days that I wasn't in trouble, I loved to go on the swing set. And what I discovered was if you could swing really high, you know, when you pump your legs and you go to the upswing, you could peek over the wall into the convent and you could see where the nuns were um, hang drying their pantyhose. <laughs> 
<laughs> and to a third grader, that was pretty damn funny and entertaining. So, so I would go really high, and I would, I, and then it became a game to see how high. If you could see more, what else was hiding in the convent garden, right? Well. Then the bell would ring, and it was time to go in, and I was going to get in trouble because I was taking too long, so I would jump off the swing set. And I vividly remember one time when I jumped off the swing set, and I didn't land like the Olympian that I thought I was, but instead I fell flat on my back. I want you to go to the same place, to a time when you fell flat on your back. Maybe you were on the monkey bars. Maybe you got thrown off the tilt-a-whirl or the the merry-go-round. Whatever it was. So when you fall flat on your back and you're laying there on the ground, do you argue? (laughs) Do you get angry? Do you deny it and go, that did not just happen? (laughs) No. You might say something like, wow, that was crazy. Or, oh my goodness, I can't believe what just happened right? It actually doesn't matter how you got there. It only matters that you're there. You're laying on the ground and you, you can hardly breathe. So, so what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you catch your breath. Then if you figure out you can breathe, you do a body assessment. You start wiggling, you know, wiggle fingers and toes and figure out, uh-oh, did I break something this time or can I move? And then you figure out how you're going to get back on your feet. So, you know, sometimes when you fall, when you're on the playground, you might just hop back up. Sometimes you might have to get on all fours and shake your head for a minute. Sometimes you might sit up and then make sure you're not dizzy or make sure you've caught your breath. There's many ways to get on your feet, to get back on your feet. But the point is, you have to decide which one works for you. Now, As a child, this is all an unconscious process. As adults, we're going through the mechanisms because guess what? That's kind of like acceptance in our grief process. So when we, it's a perfect example of the grief journey. When we, when uh, when our person died, it knocked us like flying out of the swing, knocked me to the ground. It knocked you to the ground, knocks the wind out of us. We are flat on our back. We are gasping for air, right? It's a perfect analogy. And we are wondering, holy criminy, I almost swore again there. What are we going to do? What just happened? And then we have to do a body assessment and we have to figure it out. And, oh, and I forgot to mention this, but usually in grade school, you might have a bunch of friends come running over like, are you okay? Are you okay? You want me to get the teacher? Right? So... As adults, we also have those friends coming over. So one of the things that we do is we do an assessment of damage. We catch our breath. We let our friends love on us. And then we figure out how to get back on our feet. And if we're lucky, we might have those beautiful friends there to help us get up. And maybe we can put, they put our arm around us or we can put our arm around them and we can, we can take those steps together. It's the same story. It's, a sta- it's the same analogy. So when you spend 
all of your time and your energy fighting the reality of your situation when you are literally on the ground flailing. You are literally like pitching a fit going, this, no, no, this just didn't happen. And what happens is you can't work on the other parts. You can't work on the plan to get back on your feet if you're spending all your time stuck on the ground, being upset and being angry, right? At some point, you just have to say, stop. And that is acceptance. So mid-episode mid question for you. Are there areas in your life where you need to practice acceptance? Because acceptance isn't just around the actual death of our loved one. There's acceptance all over the place. There's, there's acceptance of lots of situations that go with our loss. Lots of things that we have to figure out. Now, there's something else I want to talk about called radical acceptance. And radical acceptance actually goes beyond acceptance. And it's a type of acceptance that involves fully and completely accepting the reality without judgment, without resistance, or attempts to change it. Tara Brock has a book actually called Radical Acceptance, and her byline is perfect. Acceptance with the heart of Buddha. So it's, it's kind of acceptance on steroids is what it is. It says that it's, oh, it's used, you know, it's used a lot in um, dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. And it can be really helpful in dealing with situations that are outside of your control that you find particularly challenging. But if you have those situations and you're really struggling, then that might be an indicator that you want to seek professional help. And maybe you want to seek help with someone who works with dialectical behavioral therapy. Remember, you're not in this alone. So RA involves uh, acknowledging, accepting, Difficult emotions, we talked about that. It asks you to make peace with your situation, no matter how uncomfortable. It's also acknowledging that the difficulties may ask or last for a long time. Grief takes time. The collateral damage of grief takes time. So in my world, radical acceptance, acceptance was accepting that my husband died. Acceptance was accepting that, oh boy, great, I'm a single parent. God, I never thought I'd be a single parent. I'm a single parent now. I'm, I have these people to take care of now, these beautiful children. Um, that was acceptance. Radical acceptance in my world looked like I have a very difficult life and I have this farm to take care of and I don't know what I'm going to do and it makes me feel very inadequate and I, it's a mountain, Right. Radical acceptance asks me, or if I practice it, I'm saying, this is my life, it is really difficult, and I'm going to not let it be a reflection of my value and my worth as a human being. I'm going to be okay. And that's hard. I'm going to tell you right now, that's hard. So practicing radical acceptance can help you reduce your suffering, though. 
and it can help actually reduce your anxiety and it helps you take action because remember when you're stuck in a posture of non-acceptance, you can't take action. So regular acceptance helps, radical acceptance helps. Um, And the other thing you need to know is this is a posture and a daily practice. It is not a one and done. It is not like, hey, today I decided I accepted this and then you move on. Because what happens is you go back. And so anyway, it's, it's a daily practice. Now, let's go back to that example of falling, falling on the playground. Acceptance says, hey, whew, I fell, but I'm going to get back up. Radical acceptance says, whew, hey, I fell, man, and I broke my leg, and I'm going to be laid up for eight weeks, and my, it's going to itch, and... It's going to be okay. Do you hear it? All right. So how do you practice acceptance in your life, even when it's painful or uncomfortable? Because losing your spouse is an incredibly difficult, painful, and uncomfortable process. So I've got some tips for you. Number one. You need to become an expert on you and your emotions. And I want you to learn how to acknowledge them. Most people have, um, Brene Brown said that she did all this research on emotions and she said that most people have three emotions that they can identify, happy, sad, and mad. Well, there's a lot more. And And it's allow yourself to feel more than happy, sad, mad. Allow yourself to feel all the emotions, whether it's sadness, anger, guilt, remorse, um, who knows, but learn, learn to acknowledge them. And when you acknowledge them and you just accept them without judgment, they become a natural part of your healing process. Number two, seek support. Connect with your family, connect with friends, um, oh, Zoom groups, online groups, support groups, church groups, non-church groups. Soaring Spirits International has amazing groups. They meet online. Connect and share your feelings with others, and that will help you process your grief and come to the terms of acceptance. Number three, make self-care a priority. Now, self-care does not have to be going to a spa because God knows we may not even have time to do that. Self-care is doing the things that take care of you, like getting enough sleep, eating well, like not eating a bunch of crap because crap doesn't do anything for your body except cause more brain fog. You know, going for a walk, that's self-care. Also, breathing, yoga, meditation, those are things that can help you, um, they can help you process or deal with the stress and anxiety. And they give you a space where you can process acceptance. Number four, find meaning. Try to find meaning, and I know this is hard, Try to find meaning in your loss by focusing on the positive memories and the experiences you shared with your spouse. 
When you can focus on the positive, it makes it easier. Practice, okay, practice self-compassion comes up frequently and that's kind of the same thing. It's the same thing as self-care except it has to do with being kind to yourself and avoiding self-criticism, right? When you get angry with yourself, it doesn't help anything. It only makes it worse. When you feel ashamed because you have these feelings or when you feel angry and you, and you beat yourself up because you won't accept things, it doesn't help the problem. It keeps you stuck in the problem. Also, along those lines uh, would be the next number, like number five or six. I'm not sure where we're at. Reframing your thoughts. Learning how to reframe your thoughts from negative to positive. For example, instead of saying, I can't do this, like, you know, like Julie, Julie Martello having to be a farmer. I can't do this. I had to learn how to think, I'm not sure how to do this yet, but I'm willing to learn. That will get you to acceptance. That will get you some grip on some healing, like making progress. Let go of your expectations. Because one of the things that, that makes us struggle with, uh, with acceptance is we had a shared future. We had all these things and you don't want to let it go. But letting it go will help. Now, I promised early on that I was going to keep these uh, episodes at 20 minutes or less, which my dear friend told me is the perfect length of a Presbyterian church sermon. And this one's going a little bit over, and I apologize. So quickly, I want to wrap this up in a bow. I want you to remember that there is no right or wrong way to grieve. There is no shame in struggling with acceptance. But acceptance is a game changer because it allows you to quit fighting in with the past and focus your energy on what's next. If you want to talk or you want to share a comment, you're, I'd love you to share a comment in the, in the comments. Um, you can shoot me an email at julie at navigatingwidowhood.com. And remember, you can do this and I'm here to help. Thank you for turning in to Navigating Widowhood. I hope this podcast has provided you with valuable insights and support as you navigate the challenges of Life 2.0. Please note that the information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the medical advice from a qualified professional. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review on your favorite platform because it helps others find us. And as always, Thanks for listening.